Welcome to Gonzo Gaming Audio Articles. The following is a transcript of a piece I wrote a year or so ago exploring how I and many other people felt about Nintendo's E3 press conference in 2008. You know, the one with Wii Music. Considering their turnabout two years later in the most recent show, I felt it deserved a different ending. My old friend Nintendo. I sit gazing into my rapidly cooling coffee. It's two in the afternoon on a sunny day in the sleepy New York bistro. Nintendo, sitting across from me, laughs uproariously into his cell phone and says his goodbyes to the cooler, closing it and setting it beside his untouched cup. That was Time magazine, he says. They want to do an interview with me this week. I know, I say. He just agreed to meet them on Friday after lunch. Nintendo nods and takes out his Blackberry, tapping at the tiny keys and smiling. Mmm, he says. That was the day we were going to go jet skiing on Drake Lake, I say pointedly. Nintendo stops tapping and looks at me as if waking from a dream. Can we make that Saturday, he asks, and starts to check his Blackberry again. No, next Thursday. Sorry, the Tuesday after that? I look at Nintendo as he starts to pencil me in and my shoulders slump. It was never like this before. We met in 1985 when we were both very young. It was one of those friendships you find yourself holding up as a yardstick to everyone that follows. He was fun back then, and honest. We'd play at exploring castles, rescuing princesses, battling fire-breathing monsters, and all the other things kids find to do. We played better, smarter games, went kart racing, got into RPGs, exploring vast, imaginary worlds. He learned new skills, and I learned from him. Then came high school and college, and we still kept in touch, even though we saw each other less. Then I hooked up with an ex-girlfriend of his, who was a little more mature than either of us, causing an undeniable rift. Yet still, every time we met, it was like we were kids again, but with encounters tempered by a newfound perspective on the world. The imaginary lands never seemed more vivid and real, but our meetings were growing further and further apart. People change. They grow up and move on to greener pastures with the inevitability of little Jackie Paper. The last time I saw Nintendo, he wasn't doing too well. The imagination was there in his work, but he was having a hard time getting people to really pay attention to it. I was frankly worried about him, but the distance between us had grown vast and noticeable. We kept in touch, we both got jobs and moved in different directions. The way it always goes. Next thing I know, it's New Year's Eve 2006, and he's calling me up blind drunk and very happy. His business ventures in Japan, America, and Europe are paying off so well he can barely get the stock in to meet demand. I'm so incredibly happy for my old friend, and I tell him so. But for the first time, it doesn't seem like he's listening to me. Then he calls me the wrong name. I mention it, and he mumbles something and hangs up. It's July 15th, 2008. Today I haven't seen Nintendo for four years and he's sitting across from me in the bistro with the world at his feet. I saw your work with the Star Gathering project, I offer. Great stuff. He looks up at me from his iPhone. Thanks, he beams. What do you think of the sports programs? Also good, I say diplomatically. I don't want to bring any personal feelings of indifference into the conversation. I'm trying to be as positive as I can be, but it's hard when he's received seven calls since we've been here. I feel like the proverbial third wheel. What about that music project? That looks like great fun, doesn't it? Not wanting to be painfully honest, I changed the subject. 
Are you planning any more endeavours based on your old work, I ask? Nintendo's brow creases. That's a lot of effort for not much return, he says absently, ordering us both another coffee. The last one took three years to develop and brought in substantially less profit than a cheap little carnival I set up in two days. But it was such a great piece of work, I press on. Surely that's what counts in the end, building something of substance, something of merit, something that will last and future generations can appreciate it. He looks stumped and chews thoughtfully on a biscotti. Then Cosmopolitan calls, and I'm alone again for 15 minutes. So I'll put you down for jet skiing on Duck Lake on Tuesday the 29th, okay? Nintendo repeats. Drake Lake, I say quietly and nod. Swell, he says, raising from the table, throwing down a handful of bills. Listen, I have to run. I've got to be on the Tonight Show, and they stop recording in three hours. I'll see you later, I say, trying to lock eyes with him. He smiles, but his gaze is on his Blackberry again. Two years down the line, I get a call from my old friend. He says he has something for me to see, and that I should meet him in his showroom. While I'm on the way, my mind fills up with the wave of atrociousness that probably awaits me. Grandma exercise programs, dog shows, and family fun. All great for everyone but me. I am struck at this point with how selfish that seems. Why can't I just be happy for my friend and his achievements? As he pulls off the sheets covering his work one by one, he watches my face. As the light falls on each of them, dim memories begin to surface. A fairy boy with a bow and arrow. A space bounty hunter, a secret agent, a familiar gorilla, a little pink fellow made of fabric. Finally, he reveals a bold sculpture of a cherub that I haven't seen since I was a lad. My eyes narrow and observe his crooked grin. You remembered, I say. And he nods. <laughs> <laughs> 